Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming. Host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic they make me feel polished and modern, and the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin, and so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands, and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z-ZIBBY20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white, open, long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out, Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year. And each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. 
Leanne Dolan is the author of Lost and Found in Paris, a novel. She is a writer and broadcaster and creator and host of Satellite Sisters, the award-winning and top-rated talk show podcast she produces with her four real sisters. Leanne is also the author of The Sweeney Sisters, Helen of Pasadena, and Elizabeth the First Wife. She's a regular columnist for Pasadena Magazine and graduated from Pomona College in Claremont, California, and now lives in Pasadena with her husband and two sons. Welcome, Leanne. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Coming back as you were on, I interviewed you for the Sweeney Sisters for Lost and Found in Paris. Congratulations. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be back. I mean, you've been so busy the last two years. I I just have been sitting in my office (laughs) writing another book, but you've been building an empire. So congratulations to you too. I mean, I've been sitting in my office too, you know, (laughs) just different emails. I don't even know what to say, right? It's just different emails. (laughs) But thank you. (laughs) And by the way, you're completely selling yourself short. You have like all this stuff, podcasts, books, you know, you're like, you know, amazing. So well, thank you. But, you know, it's just, it's fun to be here. I'm glad to be on. Can you tell listeners about your latest novel? What's it about and what inspired you to write it? Sure. I mean, I describe Lost and Found in Paris as an art history treasure hunt. So I don't, I don't want to say it's a mystery because I feel like I'm not a mystery writer and I'm not sure I could live up to that genre. That's a lot of responsibility, but it's an art history treasure hunt and it's set in Paris. The main character is Joan Blakely. She is in her early thirties. She is the daughter of a famous artist who's gone now. Her father's died and her mother was a model in the seventies. So she is the average daughter of two sort of above average famous people. And she's had kind of a rough 10 years. She lost her dad in 9-11. And she has really taken about a about a decade to actually recover from the loss and the grief. But in that time, she made a lot of decisions she probably wouldn't have made if she hadn't lost her dad. She married the wrong guy. She's in kind of a job she doesn't love. She's sort of taken on a lot of the responsibility of saving his legacy and creating, you know, the the narrative for his the rest of, of his work and his life. And so she's put herself on the back burner, but her cu- husband comes to her, drops a bombshell, and Joan realizes I have to I have to switch things up. So she has an opportunity for work. Uh, to, she works at a museum here in Pasadena to take a piece of artwork to Paris that the museum is selling off. And so she she takes this piece of artwork to Paris as the courier and it goes missing. And that's when the clues start coming and the treasure hunt starts. Amazing. Can we discuss the scene where the husband comes to the office and what he says to her? Or is that a secret? No, I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, what's interesting, Zibby, it happened to a friend of mine. No, (laughs) did it really? Mm -hmm. Yes. Where she, yeah. So in, in, in the scene with Joan, she finds out that her husband has fathered twins with another woman uh, five years ago. Like, but like, but not not just fathered the kids. Like he's a part of their lives and would make up stories of where he was going. But he wasn't off on work trips. He was like raising yeah. these other kids. Yeah, yeah. He was and then and then just he, like in a blasé way comes into her office as if he was saying like you know I have to rearrange the trip or something. <laughs> Right. he like right. changes her light. I mean, it's, you know, he, he's like, it's just crazy. He just like waltzes in and out. Like what? Hey, by the way, did I mention I have yeah. two other kids? Yeah. So yeah. And that's, I, you know, it was one of those things that happened to a woman I know and she found out like, oh, my, 
my husband has two other children that are the same age as my child, which was also creepy. And, you know, I think lives are complicated and messy. And, but that seemed like such a giant bombshell. So I feel, I felt like I'll have to use that at some point. And 20 years later, I used it, you know, it was, (laughs) So I've been thinking about it for 20 years. I was like, I'm going to put this in this book. So, but I wanted it to be a big enough bombshell where she's like, all right, yeah, I really have to rethink the path I'm on. Totally. And the part with her dad too, that he was on the plane. And um, I mean, she, she had just been with him working all summer. I don't know that that makes it worse. It's not like anything makes it worse, but somehow it just feels, it just the grief feels that much more intense, like that they had they had just been working together. And the next thing you know, he takes a different plane and he, and he passes away. And, and, he, and even the way that her mother handles it too. I mean, that she basically doesn't move, right? Like you say something like she, she just basically stays in one place the rest of her life. Like she can't get over yeah. it for a long, long time. And, and it becomes then up to her, right? As often befalls the child, right? She has to do everything for her family and, and especially for such a high profile person, right? You don't, think necessarily about that and what that would entail. And the, anyway, that's a lot on her plate at the same time is all I'm trying to say. That's a lot. It is. Well, you know, it was inspired again by another sort of real snippet of news that I saw in the days after um, 9-11, you know, when people got their news from newspapers, right? We we weren't on Twitter. Uh, I think just harken back to 2001. And I know that you lost a dear friend in 9-11. So you were probably watching as closely, uh, more closely than anybody. But, you know, we thought people were still going to be found in the buildings and the, the names of who had died was not uh, was not known. But the people on the plane, they knew they were not coming back. Like that was obvious. And so here in Los Angeles, we actually lost a, a a couple of um, TV producers and they were Emmy award-winning TV producers. But I remember very distinctly that their obituaries were on the front page of the New York of the Los Angeles times. Mm. And in a giant national tragedy where everyone was sort of anonymous, this idea that if you were slightly famous or had a couple of Emmys and that would land you on the front page of the LA times, that sort of stuck with me. Like, that is both the burden and the blessing of fame to be known. Los Angeles is a company town and the company is entertainment. But it just seemed like a weird thing to have to weather that you you were the face of this national tragedy, but it was also such a tremendous personal loss and like trying to balance those two things out. So I, I tried to use that with Joan, that her father was the one that was on the front page of the LA Times and she represented the family at all these ceremonies and flag raisings and things like that and memorials until she just couldn't. And then she had to sort of start her own private journey of grief after the public facing grief. So I was trying to get to that, which sounds super serious. I mean, (laughs) because the book is sort of a Paris romp, but I did want it to have an under, you know, the, the journey includes grief and loss. As a lot of journeys do, especially these days. Yes. Right. Well, that was the interesting thing, Zibi. I started this book nine years ago. And it's just being published now. And I started it right after my parents had both died. And I lost both my parents in rapid succession. Like within eight weeks, I lost oh. my mom to cancer and my dad to Alzheimer's, right? I'm sorry. But then I was, I know, you know what? And, but there was nothing tragic about their death. I know, they but still. I know, still, it's still sad though. It's still, still sad. really sad. Yeah. So, but I was like, I had a new book coming out, Elizabeth, the first wife. And I was on a book tour and I just like plunged right into the book tour. And then in the fall, I was started writing this, this book, which at the time was called Joan of Art. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then uh, about a year after my dad died right on his birthday, I just hit a grief wall. 
Like, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I can't write a book about the journey of grief when I haven't taken it yet. Mm. So I put the book aside for a couple of years and then I revised it and then life got in the way and I had kids to get to college and I wrote another book and then I sold it in 2018, but then I wrote the Sweeney sisters to come out first. So when I was revising it, it was the summer of 2021. And here we are like again in this sort of national grieving process. So it was a, it was a pretty interesting journey. I really, like I knew I had been through my personal stuff, but everybody was feeling it again. So it was a little bit different. I mean, I, I guess in some ways I'm glad it took this long to come to come to fruition because I got a chance to go through it again, kind of with that in my mind's eye. Wow. Sometimes these books have a life of their own. You know, sometimes I feel they like do. they're like, I, like <laughs> yeah, for better like, or worse. Yeah. Like I really yeah. wanted to have a kid in this year, but then I didn't. Do you know what I mean? Like I really wanted the book come, to come out like then, but for it, it didn't. <laughs> like why? Right. And then, you know, right. luck, some, luckily sometimes... They do happen, but I don't know. There's like this alternate universe that decides when these things right. are happening or it's just, right. you know, bad luck or rejection or I don't even know what, but it's Well, true. I feel like I'm a better writer, so I was cool with it. You know, I've now written yeah. so much and like, I was like, oh, I'd like to take another whack at this book. <laughs> and so that's exactly what I did last summer it was like, especially to the final third, like really rewrite that in a completely different way with a completely fresh perspective. Interesting. And I saw in the back, you thanked all the people for like sticking along your Paris journey. So it sounds like it was, it was a taking a village type of endeavor. It was, I mean, for many years it was like, how's that Paris book? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, it's going great. Even if I hadn't like picked it up for two years. So I was grateful for everyone who, who did stick with me. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Did you, do you have another book now that you're working on already? Or are you going to take a little time to enjoy? No, I am. I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have. I I signed another two book deal with William Morrow. So I, it's the first time for me that I've been out promoting one book and, and, but then on deadline for another book. So I have to turn in another one by the end of June. And this one, I have to say, I have been using your podcast sex talk a lot. Have you really? Yay. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, just doing some research over there. I love, I I love the way you position yourself in that podcast. It's fantastic. Like we're not talking about me. This is she is, she does, Tracy does not give up. She is constantly trying. The other day she was, it was something so minor. I was like, you're just trying to get me to say something about me. Stop. So, so my new book is about, it's about a long-term marriage. So it's about Gen Xers who've been married for like 23 years. The husband has a, has a work sabbatical coming up and the wife lost her job. So she's able to go. And she realizes at the last minute that she does not want to go on the husband's sabbatical. Like Mm. that, it's just sort of this adventure trip to Patagonia and Nicaragua. And that is like the last thing she wants to do. So, (laughs) so they end up taking separate sabbaticals. So from each other, from their marriage and from their marriage vows, Mm. they just decide a year off. (laughs) See you in 12 months. So it's called uh, the marriage sabbatical. So it's a little bit of a departure for me. So I'm learning a lot from you and Tracy. I'm just just seeing, yeah, just testing the waters over there, but yeah, it's been fun to write. I mean, I wanted to write about marriage for a long time because I think it's, it fascinates me. I've been married 29 years. I think the longer you're married, the more expansive your definition of marriage may get. You know, <laughs> people have complicated lives and 
people have arrangements and people say things and you're like, really, that's happening in your neck of the woods. So I don't know. I thought, I thought there was material there. I want to be friends with your friends. It sounds like all the people telling you the things have like the most incredible stories. Like, well, I don't know what dinner parties you're at, but I, I feel like well, I want to go. <laughs> you know, it's Los Angeles, you know, essentially there's just, uh, just a lot of open books here. So a lot of open books. <laughs> Whereas my husband and I, just for the record, we're asleep on the couch watching British murder mysteries by 8.30 PM. We do not lead those lives. So this is not, this is not about us. I would sooner wear Patagonia than go to Patagonia. That's sort of how I would describe myself. <laughs> Okay. I now I'm writing that down because I did put it. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, good. Now I can be one of your fun friends. That's awesome. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Tell listeners more about your podcast. Sure. I do a show called Satellite Sisters, and we've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, it started on the radio, and I do it. We started with my four real life sisters who lived all over the place. And our idea was just to have an hour on the radio that sounded like friends sound when they talk to each other, that they talk about their lives and they talk about the news of the day and a great book they read and what they're doing next week. And, you know, they love each other, but they don't agree on everything and they don't have the same lives. Some are married, some are divorced, and they're interested in other women in particular, you know, in terms of what they're doing with their work and their lives and their career. So that's Satellite Sisters. And we were, we were on the radio for 10 years and we been a podcast since 2009. So wow. we still produce, I literally just got off with them. I was like, hurry up. I got to get on with Zibby. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay. I'm like, cause I'm the producer. So I'm like texting my sisters. Like, could we just beat up this last segment? I got a, I got an interview to do in five minutes, but we do a once weekly show where we're still connecting. It's three of us now, my sister, Liz and my sister, Julie, and uh, Julie lives in Texas and Liz lives in Santa Monica. And, you know, it's still the same format because it's just, you know, conversations that women have that may not make the front page of the paper or may not be deemed as, you know, important, but it's the decisions we make that help us get through our lives every day. I mean, I don't think the paper is helping that. I mean, well, I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> I think that the advice people get from the people in there. <laughs> okay, you know I'm gonna just not say anything. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Was there? I'm just well, gonna... I I think the notion is that like women's lives are not uh, hefty enough. You know, they're not mm-hmm. weighty enough to be important issues, and that's nonsense because it's it's raising children, it's education, it's health and welfare. Like it's all these really really important things that women are holding down the fort on every day. But yes. the, you know, a a news program wouldn't frame it as such. It would it would just so but women are like dealing with the heavy stuff all day long. Very true. Yes. Amazing. Just curious, going from radio to podcasting, did you have to change anything or was it like at the exact same show? Like is, is there anything that like you miss about radio or have, like, yes. I don't know. I mean, I miss yeah. this. I miss the staff <laughs> <laughs> and, and the money. I miss the staff and the money, Sibby. Those are the two big things. No. So, <laughs> you know, that is a part of it. I mean, when we started podcasting in 2009, it was really just a leap of faith, but we felt like, uh, you know, we loved doing our show and we didn't go off the air because we had no listeners. We were an award-winning money-making show for ABC radio and Disney sold off the radio division. So I, I literally took my iMac into the, and I'm pointing to it, my, into the Apple store and asked the little 12 year old genius to show me how to record a podcast in garage band <laughs> Because I was like, I think I want to do a podcast. And he was like, sure, lady. And that's how we started doing it, just in our closets in GarageBand. But we really felt compelled, like, we are not done talking. We had an audience and the conversations we were having mattered to this particular audience. And there are no gatekeepers over in podcasting. So we'll go over there and we'll figure it out. The show is, you know, when we were on ABC, we were on six days a week, live, three hours a day. That's oh my an, well, gosh. Who, I mean, what do you even have to say for that many hours a week? Jeez. Honestly, honestly, Zibby, on Fridays, we drive to the studio and I'm like, well, there's a billboard. I feel like I can do 12 minutes on that. I mean, I just, <laughs> it was like, we would say anything, but we had a lot of guests too. We had a guest every hour mainly, oh, well, there, uh, which yeah. was fun, but a lot of prep and stuff. So we have a lot less guests. We keep it simple, the production. But the sound of the show has not changed. You know, we were pretty confident in that pe- that it was a good format, and so we've kept it. We've kept it the same. So in, in that sense, I mean, we're all older and wiser, and our lives are different. And uh, you know, as a country, we've been through a lot. We definitely felt like in the spring of 2020, we sensed people needed connection. Mm-hmm. They needed anything positive to hang on to. They needed friendship and sisterhood. And, and so we did kind of shift some of our topics to do less news stuff and to just accommodate more emotional health and wellness. And we really made a concerted effort to have a positive, put a positive face forward for the shows in 2020 and 2021. We did extra shows those years because we had just felt like people really needed to stay connected. You know, there was a lot of isolation and we were this little, you know, we were this community that people could connect to. So it's amazing. So that that's changed. That changed a little bit for the better. I think it was a positive change for us. How do you foster your community of listeners offline or do you? No, we do. You know, when we we started Satellite Sisters in 1999, you know, we had a website and that was 
pretty cutting edge at the time. We're like not too many radio shows had a website and a logo. And like we had a lot of emails, you know, we would respond to emails and everything. And so when social media came about, when it was a nice and decent place to be, you know, we started a Facebook group right away and we have a private Facebook group. And I have to say, I feel like it's the nicest corner of the internet, but I think it goes back to the behavior we have on the show. We sort of model the behavior we want online. Like we don't yell and scream. We're not throwing Mm -hmm. drinks at people's faces. We don't trash other women. We don't, you know, trash people. We try to keep the conversation, you know, big enough so that people feel included, but also personal enough. And so we see that in our Facebook group. I mean, we have thousands of people over there, but they, they get it sort of, they sort of buy in to, to the, you know, to the, to the behavior that we have. So we, yeah, we, the Facebook group is our, our most potent place, but now we've, I started a newsletter again, we used to have a newsletter and then we didn't, and it's a lot of work, you know, (laughs) all these pieces. I know, I know. but during the pandemic, I'm like, I feel people need a little extra connection. So we started a newsletter and that's really been great. I enjoy writing that. And, and you know what somebody should to... do? Wait, maybe I should do this, but somebody yeah. should, <laughs> maybe somebody should, should like have it, have like a search engine for newsletters. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I want a newsletter yeah. where not just where I hear about certain people, but like, I want to hear about sisterhood or I want to, I'm a woman facing these issues and I'm this, you know, I'm 45 years old. Like what newsletter should I subscribe to? Like, wouldn't that be cool? Do you yeah, know it would I mean? be good. Yes. No, I know exactly what you mean. Okay. Get on that. I'm okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. De- deputize, deputize one of your people or your kids or something. <laughs> My kids. <laughs> Okay. You're literally writing it down. I love that. No, I I I just think it's it's cool. I mean, everybody, because every author has to have a newsletter. Yeah. So, you know, everybody it's, and then there are all these really great newsletters that are not author, you know, that have a lot of like, if you want great shopping tips, if you want, I don't know, there should be like newsletter curation because there's yeah. so many of them. And now right. it's like Substack and I'm sorry, I'm getting totally off topic, but you know. No, I, well, I mean, I think it's interesting to me because there's a lot of fancy stuff out there, but newsletters are emails and people yeah. still like emails. Like it's a pretty basic communication. And I think because the magazine business is dying, which yes. breaks my heart, me too. but I do think newsletters are filling a void of like telling people like giving them just enough stuff to that that they can chew on and you know with ours I do it's called pep talk so I do a little essay which is a pep talk every week but then we do to-do lists and recommendations and a book of the week and things like that but I I subscribe to like the department of salad newsletter have you, you do not <laughs> yes yeah, it's great it's a great food newsletter and she's Emily Nunn writes it and she's like a real anti-aging activist and a journalist and wrote for the New Yorker and the New York times. And, but it's a lot of salad history, which I enjoy, you know, (laughs) you're right. I wish, I wish more people knew about newsletters because by the way, there are a lot of people who might really like that. If you recommended it, maybe there's some way to write, like recommend, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to sleep on this one. Okay. Newsletter curation. I, I, well, I'll write it down too. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'll write it down too. All right. Well, because I do think there's a lot of good material out there, but Agreed. you know, as they say in podcasting or books, discoverability is the key, right? Yes. So and that's so hard. Discover it. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Okay. What are you reading now? Okay. So I just started a book called Ashton Hall, which is, it's about a classicist, which I like because I study classics. 
It's about a, a failed classicist, basically. And she goes to this house in England and they discover a dead body from the 16th century in the basement. Her her son, who has a lot of behavioral issues, like makes this archaeological discovery. So I just started it uh, and it's it's unfolding really well. I'm excited about it. But I we put together um, just once a year, not every day, like you do a, a beach bag books list for Satellite Sisters. So I'm we do that show next week. So I'm just like cramming in all the, all the beach bag books I can read to put them on the list. So that's when I, think well, I do have a memoir coming out on July 1st called bookends, a memoir of love, loss and literature. So I know if you want to put it in your beach bag, okay. (laughs) do you want me to send it to you? Yeah, no, I, I've got it. I've got it. So no, don't worry. Yeah. It's on don't worry. Okay. 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 Cause I can send you a coffee if you want. Awesome. All right. Uh, advice for aspiring authors. Oh, you know, I always say this, but I feel like people should take a class. I feel like there's so many good online writing classes. Now there are great writers who are teaching at extension courses at various universities and community colleges. And I know when I went to write my first novel at 45, I took a class, I took an online class because I felt like I needed the public humiliation as a motivator. Like I needed to say to people, yeah, yeah, I'm writing a novel and I needed to pay money. And needed to actually pay money to to have some accountability, but also in the class, like you learn to take critique, you understand how valuable that is to becoming better. I met writers in the class and we've stayed friends and writing partners for years. So I know it's really tempting just to sit in your room and and work on your stuff and never show it to anybody. But a class forces you to like put it out into the universe. So you get comfortable with that. So, right. Take a class. Take a class. Love it. I'm still thinking about the newsletter thing. I think there should be like, (laughs) I think there should be a registry. Like you can, you can search and there's a registry, but then like once a week you highlight one and maybe there's like a newsletter podcast or somebody becomes like the newsletter lady or something. A newsletter of newsletters too. You could just. Yeah. (laughs) Letter. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think there's something in it. No. Cause again, there's a lot of great content out there. A lot of great content. Okay. You could even like, you could even (laughs) have some content that like you could have, well, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to stop. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) back to your book to to close (laughs) lost and found in Paris. If anybody forgot what we were talking about, (laughs) lost and found in Paris, lost and found in this conversation. (laughs) Anyway, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, (laughs) Simi. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.